You're listening to the Complete Concussion Management Podcast with Dr. Cameron Marshall. Ask Concussion Doc is a show where we answer your questions about concussions, treatment, and rehabilitation to help practitioners better manage these injuries. Enjoy the show. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 88 of Ask Concussion Doc. I'm your host, Dr. Cameron Marshall. It is now week 702 of the coronavirus lockdown. I hope that you're all staying safe and happy and healthy uh, during this crazy, strange time. Uh, Apologies for taking a few weeks off. Um, We've been working super hard on finishing up our patient course. I've said this before in a few previous episodes. For those that don't know, um, patient care for concussion is very hard to find. Uh, We know this because we get a ton of DMs and emails from people that are looking for good quality clinics in their area. We know that it's tough to find. We as CCMI are trying our best to train as many healthcare professionals and have as many clinics as possible so that we can service every area of the world. Um, But we're not everywhere yet. And so we know that for patients trying to find a good clinic, it can be tough. So we decided to put together a patient course that would be basically designed to provide you with the education that you would need in order to take control of your own recovery. This is not meant to replace your therapy by any means, but uh, meant to teach you everything about concussion so that you can then take that information and try to find the best care uh, available for yourself. And also look at your own issues through a bit of a different lens. One of the best forms of treatment we know from a lot of the uh, research that's been done on this is education and reassurance, right? Providing you, if you understand truly what's going on with your condition, then you're better able to kind of conquer that and figure out the right strategy to um, get better. So in this course, we definitely um, have tried to provide everything that there is about concussion. We're hoping to launch it in the next two weeks, but we have experts on sleep, mental health, diet, and of course, me, yours truly, talking about concussion and all the systems that can be impacted and also how to maybe assess yourself a little bit and how to and which kind of rehab exercises that you might want to start doing. Um, again, not meant to replace your care, but meant to maybe support the care that you might be getting uh, in your own community. We also have a community forum that we've put into it so that you guys can actually have a support group that actually works where you have Uh, a support group that's moderated by healthcare professionals where you don't have patients leading patients. You have uh, experts in concussion that are actually answering your questions and giving you feedback and a little bit more direction than you would get from, you know, another patient that may not really know anything about concussion other than their own experience. So it's going to be super, super awesome. If you want to be in the first crew of people that will get access to this course, send an email. We're taking a list right now. We probably have 50 or 60 people on this list already. Um, Send an email to info at complete concussions and put in the subject line patient course. So info at complete concussions.com and then put in the subject line patient course and uh, we'll add you to the list. And that way, as soon as it launches, we'll just send out an email to all the people uh, and you'll have registration details and everything else. Um, Okay on with the show. So enough of the housekeeping. Um, 
again, you know, I took a couple weeks off to try and get this stuff done and off my plate. I'm still not done all of it, but I got quite a bit done. But um, the other day we asked you guys on Instagram uh, to send in some questions and submit some questions that you would like to have answered on the show. So thank you to everybody that submitted your questions. Um, we had a bunch come in, so I won't be able to obviously answer all of them, but I picked, um, five questions that I thought were good. And, um, so there we go. So sorry if you didn't get picked and, but we did, we do have a list of all of them, so we can refer to them in, uh, in future episodes if we're looking for content or topics. So, uh, again, I have five, so hopefully I don't ramble on too long and keep you all here for a long period of time. Okay, so the first question I picked because it was actually a question uh, more about me, which is a nice change of pace other than dealing strictly with concussions. But somebody asked me, what is your favorite sport to watch and your favorite sport to play? I personally am more of a sport player than a sport watcher, which my wife loves because I'm not sitting around watching sports all day so she can watch whatever she wants to watch. But I played a lot of high-level hockey being a Canadian boy myself. Uh, and I also played pretty high level of lacrosse. I played lacrosse at the University of Western Ontario and uh, I played hockey up at the junior level. So those are definitely my favorite sports to play. I played a little bit of football in high school but not, not very much. Maybe just two years of football I played. My favorite sport to watch, I like more sporting events, personally. I really enjoy the Olympics. I really love, like, March Madness basketball. Um, really couldn't care less about watching the NBA, like, regular season. But uh, last year when the Raptors were in the playoff run, uh, I was, you know, very excited to watch those games. I thought they were, they were great. It's really exciting. Um, I like football. You know, I'll watch the odd football game, but I do prefer college more than anything. And probably my ultimate favorite sporting event that happens every single year is the World Junior Hockey Championships. I don't really watch a ton of NHL um, hockey, you know, on a regular basis, but when the World Juniors comes around, I do like that. I like the the national, you know, country against country, um, particularly in sports where Canada is good. Other than that, I, uh, I tend not to really pay attention. So anyway, thank you for asking a question about me. Uh, okay, question number two. Is it possible to get paralyzed gradually from a fall that resulted in concussion and then loss of, a mu of muscle function slash paralysis in the left arm? So this is not a typical symptom of concussion specifically, right? Concussion causes headaches, dizziness, etc. If there's loss of motor function, loss of sensation in a limb after injury, like immediately after injury, this starts us thinking about things that are actually more severe than a concussion. So if you have a brain bleed or something like that, you can start to have actual neurological deficits. If you have a fracture in your neck or some injury to your neck or you've damaged some of the brachial plexus, which is the nerves to your upper arm, you can start to have numbness or weakness in your, in your arm. But this is actually what's called a red flag. So if somebody gets a concussion injury and then immediately starts to feel numbness, tingling, or gradual paralysis of, an, of a limb um, or in the face, that's a red flag, meaning we send them to the hospital. We look for evidence of potentially neck injury, neck fracture, spinal cord injury, um, 
or more severe brain injury than a concussion. Concussion will not show up on imaging or anything like that. It creates a functional deficit. It will not create numbness or weakness in a limb. So this is not a sign of concussion. Now, if this is happening later after the injury, meaning that it's not, you know, it's not immediate. If it's immediate, it's emergency. You go to the emergency room, that's a red flag. You have numbness in the arm, go. But if this is something that has come on gradually after concussion in the post-concussion syndrome phase, phase, weeks to months after injury, this is also not likely to be due to the concussion, but I would definitely get it checked out, right? Progressive upper limb uh, muscle weakness, muscle wasting, sometimes can start as a weakness in grip strength. Um, there's progressive um, neurological conditions. One is called Guillain-Barre syndrome and the other one is ALS or uh, otherwise known as Lou Gehrig's disease. This can cause uh, progressive muscle weakness um, of of your limbs. And so I would definitely start getting into some investigations around that. Um, it's unlikely to be related to concussion injury, but it's it's definitely something that's abnormal, and I would uh, want to do some checks on that to see what's going on. Okay, hopefully that helps. Uh, number three, what recommendations do you have to look for or questions to ask in order to find a provider who would be helpful with someone dealing with PCS when there are none of your clinics within hours of travel? So our clinic, she's referring to complete concussion management clinics. This is exactly what I was saying earlier in my intro is that finding good concussion care is difficult. We know that um, there, there aren't, it's not something that's taught in medical schools. It's not something that's taught in PT programs. And so there's a lot of healthcare professionals that are out there that don't really have a good, strong understanding of concussion because they never really learned it as part of their school. So you're really looking for somebody who's taken additional training um, in concussion. Now, the problem is not all training programs are created equal as well. So it's really difficult to say. The reason why complete concussion management exists is because there was really nothing out there that was providing a decent education on this. And so that's why we stepped up. So to provide you with recommendations, I think the really the thing you want to look for is um, reviews from people who've been there, like, you know, people who would say, yes, this was good. I had success with this. Um, look for people that, you know, have kind of a specialization in this area that they see a lot of concussion patients. Um, uh, evidence base is a huge thing. So uh, relying on scientific evidence, bringing up studies that have been done and things like that uh, to show that, you know, they're actually keeping up with the literature because there's probably 400 studies a month published on concussion now. And so uh, the average person keeping up with that is just not going to gonna not gonna be able to. Um, the other thing I would recommend is uh, maybe send us an email for the patient course. So send an email to info at completeconcussions.com and uh, put the subject line as patient course and we'll put you on the waiting list for that because that might just give you a little bit of insight, um, might help direct you a little bit. Um, unfortunately, a lot of people just get sent to, you know, general PT after a concussion and, you know, finding somebody who really knows concussion, uh, it can be, can be quite difficult, which is again, why we started the course. So 
Uh, again, things to look for. Look for things like they do a treadmill test. If you if they're doing a Buffalo concussion treadmill test, it means that they know something about concussion. Um, don't just go for general vestibular PT because there's a lot of um, basically they say that between 25, only 25 to 50 percent of patients with dizziness after concussion are going to see benefit from vestibular PT alone because dizziness can be caused by eye issues and neck issues and stuff like that as well. So sometimes that gets missed in just going traditional vestibular PT. So um, try to look for concussion specific um, uh, training, uh, particularly from a rehab professional. Uh, okay, number four. I see some questions coming in too. Um, so I'll see if I can get to those after. But number four, you mentioned in previous episodes that someone doing contact sports who gets concussed easier and easier and taking longer and longer to recover should consider giving up the sport. I'm having this experience being on my third long-term concussion within five years, although I'm not doing contact sports. The last two times I hit my head hard on furniture in my home, should I be worried? So the whole thing when it comes down to sports and quitting, um, let's see how I can frame this. So concussion causes a functional uh, injury. So concussion causes a drop in energy levels within the brain for a period of time. So it's a recoverable event. It happens. It changes the functionality of the neurons within the brain. Um, if that energy level gets back up to full energy level after the injury, so meaning if you fully recover, which they've done this in, in, in rat studies and mice studies where they'll give repeated concussions over time. And what they find is that if they give the concussion to the rats back to back to back to back in very close uh, time proximity, that will create a cumulative or additive effect over time and that rat will get worse and worse and worse and then have that compounding effect. In rats, that recovery has been found to be about five to seven days, somewhere in there. For humans, that recovery is anywhere from three to six weeks. So if you're getting concussed, if you're playing sports, you're putting yourself at risk for getting concussions on an ongoing, repeated basis, potentially in a short period of time. Because with concussion, we used to rely on symptoms, while some still do, to rely on symptoms to make our return to play decisions. So if you have an athlete that gets injured, you're not going to return them back to sport until their symptoms have gone away. Well, the symptoms tend to go away around day 7 to day 10 in most players. So if you're going back a week or two after injury and the recovery is 3 to 6 weeks after the injury happens, well, you're potentially in a state where you're still in a vulnerable stage. So if you get hit again, now you're potentially creating a cumulative compounding effect and making yourself worse over time, which then delays your recovery and makes you more susceptible to future injury. Okay? Now, but I'm saying athletes getting concussed in short periods of time, right, that are having long-term recovery after each injury, and they're getting concussed easier and easier, which means that they've potentially created some vulnerability, well, we need to potentially pull them back from sport because they've gotten themselves into trouble by getting too many concussions in too short of a period of time. You are not playing sports so you're not in a high risk environment and you said here that you have three concussions over the span of five years well it's very unlikely that those injuries are causing cumulative or additive compounding um, issues secondly we tell a contact sport athlete to give up their contact sport because they're going out on the field and getting pounded day in and day out generally we tell them to do exactly what you're doing you know 
play golf, do leisure activities, be in your house, but don't put yourself into harm's way. So there's no advice I can give you, um, but I would say that I wouldn't be worried if I were you having a few concussions in over that long period of time being five years, three concussions over five years you know, that's not likely going to create any type of long-term um, effects. I mean, obviously there's a lot of stuff that we don't know, but the uh, the current literature would suggest that you're probably fine and okay. Also, there's no way you can be safer, right? You're not playing a contact sport. You're not putting yourselves in harm's way. You're not getting into the boxing ring and fighting every day. Um, so I think that your risk is actually really, really low and there's really nothing that I would tell you to do to augment what you're doing. Now, the second part of this question, she then goes on to ask if there's any rehab that can be done to improve her clumsiness around the home and prevent her from bumping into things and potentially having future injuries. Well, there could be something going on with like your visual field. Maybe you're not picking up stuff in your peripheral visual field. This could be due to uh, previous concussion injuries that you've had where sometimes your visual system gets a little bit messed up in terms of your peripheral vision, your spatial awareness. Sometimes people will get tunneling of their vision. Um, Sometimes they're just a little bit off balance from either vestibular injury or neck injury or something. So you may just have increased clumsiness due to the previous concussion injuries. So I would, you know, maybe see a neurooptometrist, see if there's anything with your visual field. Uh, if you're having actual symptoms of dizziness, then I might go see somebody uh, who's who's more of a concussion rehab expert and try to see if they can figure out anything um, that may help. But if you're not having any real symptoms and you're just bumping into things, uh, it may just be your clumsy nature. But visual field potentially is something that you could look into. Uh, and question number five. Uh, this is a great question um, from a clinician, so it's a little bit more uh, geared towards healthcare professionals. But the question is, post-injury con uh, concussion rehab and comparative outcomes and time to return to play in athletes who've been baseline versus athletes who have not. Essentially, the question is, if I am an athlete that has a baseline concussion test, am I going to recover faster than somebody who has not had a concussion baseline test? The answer to that is no, uh, and that's not really the purpose of baseline concussion testing. And actually, there was a study that was done. I can't remember exactly where it was done. I think it's maybe the University of Calgary or something. But basically, they confirmed that having a baseline test did not improve your prognosis following injury, meaning that your recovery time you weren't you weren't going to fare any better in terms of you returning to sport any sooner or anything like that. But that's not the purpose of having a baseline test. I just mentioned in the previous question, right, having concussions in short periods of time um, can be harmful in the long term and create additive and cumulative effects. So the big thing with concussion is you want to make sure you're out of that period of vulnerability before you put yourself back into a contact sport situation. Well, symptoms, as I said, are recovered generally in athletes in the first 7 to 10 to 14 days. In the first couple weeks after injury, most athletes are going to feel better. Well, if you don't have a good preseason baseline test, basically what you're relying on to make your return to play decision is ultimately um, the person's symptoms. So the person tells you after a week or two that say, yeah, I feel good, I'm ready to go. And you go, well, okay, well, okay, I'll sign off on that, ready to go. Now, 
if the person has a baseline test and it's a really good robust baseline test, I mean not just a computerized test, you need balance, reaction time, memory, concentration, you need that computer element, but you also need all the other things to go with it like reaction time, ocular motor processing and all these different things, a good battery of tests. Well now when that person comes back to me and says at seven to 10 days, hey, I feel good, I'm ready to go. First of all, we put them on the treadmill and we ramp them up and try to see how they do there. Then we start them off on the return to play process. Then we bring them back in. And if they're still feeling good and having no issues, we run them through the Chicago Blackhawks test, which is another physical exertion test, which is even more intense. Then after that, then we take them and put them through all of those tests again. Because concussion is a functional injury. It changes how the brain functions. I don't care because it doesn't matter in terms of their symptoms. I don't care what their symptoms are at that time. I want to know when their symptoms are gone. Is their functional deficit gone as well? Right? So is their reaction time back to where it was before their injury? Is their balance back to where it was before their injury? Is their neurocognitive function back to where it is before injury? Is their ocular motor speed back to where it is before injury? Because when I clear that person and I'm putting them back into a harmful scenario, like getting hit again on the football field or the hockey, uh, uh, the ice pad, I want to make sure that they're not in that vulnerable state. And if I'm simply relying on symptoms, I'm going to, I'm just guessing. I'm literally taking a guess to say, well, they might be vulnerable, they might not be, but here you go. But if I have some objectivity to it, I think it just allows you to make a bit of a better decision. So is it going to speed up anyone's recovery? No, that's not what it's designed to do. Is it going to make their rehab or outcomes any better? No, but it does give you a good point to know that, hey, the only thing remaining here is their balance. Maybe we can do some balance rehab and help improve that function. So it may direct your rehab a little bit, which could be helpful, but really what it's designed to do is make better return to sport decisions, safer return to sport decisions. Um, I saw some questions come in, so let's see if I can answer them. Son constantly jerks when he tries to sleep or rest. Is this stress or something to do with TBI? He's four months into this. That's generally um, that's generally just a normal thing. I would I would probably ask the question about how he was before this, but this used to be me too. Well, actually, it is still me. I I am all over the place when I sleep. Uh, I'm kicking people. I'm punching people. I'm 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 very jerky in my sleep. Um, when I would go to hockey tournaments as a kid, I, I was I was a goalie. I played goalie when I was playing hockey. I would go to tournaments as a kid, and you'd be sharing a bed with your parents or whatever. And you know, my mom would always say, "You kept me awake all night last night doing kick saves in your sleep," because I would constantly be flailing in my sleep. Um, I've punched my wife in the face sleeping. Um, there, so it's it's something that it's it's um it, it is a normal thing for some people they just tend to have these jerk responses as they're falling asleep but i would probably ask the question um um if he had this before um is this the same person just started happening in the last two weeks um yeah, I mean, you could start looking into that. Generally, it is a, it is a normal thing, but maybe talk to your doctor about it and see if they have any ideas um, around that, or maybe they could do a sleep sleep study. What makes some people more susceptible to concussions? Uh, some boxers have a weaker chin. Yeah, that's there's. Um, so there was a there was a phenomenon they call the glass jaw phenomenon, where um, 
boxers generally later in their career would start getting knocked out easier and easier and easier and they would call this the glass jaw phenomenon now my theory on this just because we know that 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 window of vulnerability right this seems to be the topic of today that window of vulnerability after the concussion injury if you get hit during that window of vulnerability you're more susceptible to get another concussion during that time and that is also leading to a more severe injury which then takes twice as long to recover. So let's say you get a concussion, it takes three to six weeks to recover from that fully from the metabolic injury. But let's say you go back after a week and start training again, and you get hit again, boom, now you get a second concussion. Well, now the period of vulnerability goes from three to six weeks up to three to four months. So now you've moved up three to four months where you're potentially vulnerable, but your symptoms go away after the first, let's say, four weeks. So after four weeks, you had the worst injury, but you know, after four weeks, you're like, no, no, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. You're still vulnerable for three to four months, but yet you go back after one month. Well, guess what? You're going to get hit at some point during that three or four weeks. And now that's created another additive effect. Well, now potentially you're vulnerable for, let's say a year, but your symptoms last two months, right? You go back in after two months, feeling good. And now you have another, you know, 10 months of potential vulnerability after that injury. Well, now you're gonna, every time you get hit now, it's getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. So the idea that some boxers have a weak chin or their, you know, the glass jaw, and this is purely theoretical, but my theory is that they've probably had a couple concussions too close together and they've created this perpetual cycle of vulnerability. So now every time they get hit, done, 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 right? And um, these are the people that should probably be calling that a career um, issue. Anyway, okay. Um, I see a couple more, but I'll take them into consideration for, uh, for next episodes. Cheers, guys. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Complete Concussion Management Podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a review. Have questions about concussion management for future episodes? Submit them to our website, Facebook, or even Instagram. See you next time.